Big news in SaaS, Loom was just bought for $975 million by Atlassian. And the reason why I share this is what we're starting to see a really big trend of in SaaS, especially B2B SaaS, is you know consolidation is a word that people use a lot, but we're starting to see tools own more of the sales tech stack. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. Thanks for checking out Outbound Squad. My name is Jason Bay. I'm your host, and we're all about helping you turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're a sales rep that's you know an SDR doing outbound, an account executive doing full cycle sales, and some outbound a sales leader, you're definitely in the right place. And the reason why I brought up this recent acquisition of Loom is that, again, we're starting to see companies like Gong, who really created the conversational intelligence category. Well, I don't know if they created it, actually, <laughs> on second thought. Um, they definitely popularized it. That turned into Rev Intelligence, and it started to turn into more than a call recording tool. Right? There was a whole revenue intelligence component of what's happening outside of those calls and email communication. They've gotten into the sales engagement game. You know, you can send cold emails and run sequences through there. Zoom Info has been playing the same game, right? Data, sales engagement. They bought Chorus. Clary's doing the same thing. They bought um, Wingman. And so they have a call recording tool and Rev Intelligence, and they just bought Groove. So everyone's, you know, Outreach, Sales Loft, everyone's starting to play this game of how much of the tech stack can we own? And if you're a rep in one of these situations where you're selling one of these pieces and you're selling against the big tech stack, or you're selling the suite of products, you know, what you got to think about is what your value prop is more than just consolidation. And one of the things that I think is super important and what we can learn through acquisitions like this is that when we're selling that suite of products, what we need to really focus on is how it solves the business problem better, not how it reduces costs. Because saving a couple thousand dollars or $10,000 here and there is not as much as, hey, we can help you capture X amount of revenue, reduced X amount of cost, do something that aligns with a business priority. So that's what's in the news going on. I'm, I'm excited for this episode. This one's geared towards sales leaders. I'm going to be talking to Eric Delane. Eric is someone I've worked with as a client. So through my conversations with Eric, one of the things that just really stuck out to me <laughs> during our first conversation, which you'll hear a little bit more of, is you actually said, hey, I don't, I don't know if you actually like really need my help. <laughs> Things seem to be going pretty good. And I've gotten to know him pretty well over the you know, last couple months. And I was like, hey, why don't you come on the podcast? I'd love to learn more about how you're leading your team at Talia. And his team's just crushing it right now. And Eric, we talked about a couple things. One, his career path. So he decided to go, instead of going down the account executive path and the sales leader path, he decided to go down the BDR path and get into BDR leadership. So if you're in that position, we're gonna talk about that. He's gonna talk about how he leads, motivates his team, how he runs meetings, how he structures his week. I mean, there's just a lot of really great stuff in here for the frontline sales leader. So I'm really excited for you to check it out. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. So uh, one of the things that's been pretty pretty cool is we, we've gotten to know each other decently well over the last, I don't know, six months or whatever it's been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had originally reached out, I think, through the website or LinkedIn or something like that. And you're like, hey, dude, I got a team. 
And, uh, you know, hey, I want to see if you can support. And the thing that stuck out to me was, you know, one, it's it's rare to meet sales leaders that have such a like desire to learn, mm-hmm. you know, just honestly, salespeople in general <laughs> or people in general, I would say. And the other thing, too, that I found out is like, I don't know if you remember our conversations. We don't have to go into too much detail, but I was like, your team's doing pretty good right now, dude. <laughs> I was like, I don't think you need our help. Like, I'm happy to look at this, but like, you guys are surpassing target and doing really well and teams growing and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, it's, I don't know how much you listened to our podcast before, but it's good to have you like on the show. Getting yeah. To make your brain back. I've, I've been, I've been listening for a while and, and following your content for a while. And I think I had originally told you too, I said, you know, I'm going to reach out to Jason, but this guy's like a rock star. I don't even know if he's going to respond to me or even <laughs> have time to take a look at what we got going on. Um, you, you reached right back out super quick. And I mean, I think we got on the ball the very next week and start a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And you put your team through the outbound sprint too. And, and, uh, and things went really well. And so I got to meet a lot of your reps and participate with them. And, um, so let's, let's dig in. I, I, I want to start with a little bit of a background. So take us back to your first sales job was at target. It looks like as a sales consultant, take us back to that job. Like, how did you get involved with that? What was that job like? Did it make yeah. you like, oh, I love sales? Did you not like it? Take us back. Yeah, um, I think it starts a little bit earlier than that, getting in trouble at school for just kind of talking too much. Um, so I uh, ended up at a job fair in, in my hometown of Titusville, Florida. And um, it was a big deal getting a target. So a lot of people went and applied there. Um, and I just really kind of connected with the recruiter. It was an in-person uh, you know, job fair they had. And... Um, we hit it off pretty well. And I got a call back and he goes, well, how, how good do you do with talking with people? And I said, I like to think I do pretty well. So ended up getting the job and it was more of, you know, stock and shells, asking people they need help and things like that. But I really enjoyed just the interaction, uh, the face to face with people, you know, and, and, and just getting to talk. So talk about product and they're looking to do something. And it just, uh, it kind of sparked my interest from there. So was this high school, college, post-college? What were, how this old were you? Was, what was going on in your life? This was high school. This was long haired surfer, Eric, kind of, kind of look going on here. Um, yeah. 17, I want to say 17 or 18 when I first wow. got, when I first started. And for those of you listening, Eric is, uh, he's bald like me. So <laughs> long hair. I'm trying to imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it was bow down to the shoulders and just flipping the hair everywhere and stuff. So it was, it was great. So you spent quite a bit of time in sales after that. What got you into like tech sales specifically? What was that journey like? Yeah. So I had started off in marketing sales. So, you know, web design, marketing, things like that. Um, and, you know, when COVID hit, a lot of people were impacted. I was impacted. And looking online, I started noticing a lot of SaaS job openings and tech openings. So I started doing research. I'm one of the people I have to do a lot of research before I dive into something. So I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, this seems like a really great space to be in. Um, and when I found Talia, it was the company culture was exactly what I wanted it to be. The product was where, where it was progressing and there was growth. Um, and I had spoken to a couple of their friends of mine that were in tech sales and they loved it. And they said, look, this is a booming industry. Um, there's a lot of need for it. and There's a lot of spark behind it. So I applied for the job and thankfully landed up here. If you could walk us through a little bit of your 
thinking and the decision-making because a lot of, I think there's a couple of things that stick out to me. One is you came from outside of tech, which I came from outside of tech. Yeah. And deciding to, hey, I'm going to go into tech, I think is a decision that a lot of people make. And there's also this, you were a senior AE and then director of sales, and then you chose to become a a BDR, Mm -hmm. an enterprise BDR. Can you walk us through, because this is a lot of the dilemmas that people in your position have, like before you're at the point where you're at, where it's like, do I get into tech? Do I not? They want previous tech experience. I do full cycle sales and they're telling me that I don't have full cycle sales experience in tech specifically. So I need to become an SDR or BDR. Like what was that thought process like for you? Yeah. I mean, it was a little scary just because trying anything that you're not familiar with is outside of your comfort zone. So looking further into it, all the things that I saw were the reward was worth the risk of jumping into something new. Right. And I had zero pride when it came to, you know, going from a director of sales role into a BDR role. I had no experience in tech sales. A lot of companies, they want to see that. So you have to be willing to potentially start at a lower level and work your way up. But that fear can get a hold of you because I'm very, very hard on myself. And the idea of not succeeding at something, honestly, you know, definitely scares me sometimes. So, um, It was it was a risk. Any any new job that you're not familiar with, or anything in life that you're not familiar with, is gonna be a risk. It's just, are you willing to stick it out, get past the plateau, and find success? Did you ask anyone for advice or seek any kind of counsel around that? Or not really. I mean, I definitely didn't do it all on my own. I, you know, I I had asked people. Um, in the sense of, you know, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Um, you know, it was, I, I usually, any, anytime I do something, I'll ask like, you know, hey, what should I prepare for? What should I be ready for? I didn't do as much for this. I think it's because I was seeing so much exciting stuff and so many positive things around it. I knew that I wouldn't not like it. I just knew that it would be different and it would be a challenge. Um, but like I said, all the resources that I had and the information I looked up, Tech sales are booming. Texas, tech is where you need to be. Tech is where you want to be. Um, so it was, it was, it was scary, but it was definitely exciting as well. Yeah, I feel like tech is—it's like the cool kids of BDB sales <laughs> is getting into tech, right? Uh, I don't know like it usually pays better. It's sexier. They're getting funding. The you know, like all of that stuff is usually better. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd fall in the category of a cool kid, but it, it is. <laughs> it's, it's fun and it's exciting. Um, yeah. I, I tell my wife, I kind of nerd out on it. You know, it's just, it's it's cool. And I'll start talking about certain things. I remember when I first started at Tolly, I'm, I'm explaining to my uh, my dad and my family and they're like, Eric, we get it. We, we know what you do. I, well, I know, but let me explain this, right? So they were just, okay, yeah. we get it. We're tired of it. That's hilarious. So, so walk us through, so you're an enterprise BDR mm-hmm. at Talia. How did that first year go? And why did you decide to go in the leadership route specifically for the the BDR role. Sure. Yeah. Um I, there's there's a a quote from Steve Harvey who says when you're standing on the you know the edge of the cliff of life and you're looking down and you're seeing people, you know, soaring with their parachutes and you got one on your back, you're scared to jump, but sometimes you just got to do it, you know. Eventually your parachute will open, but you're probably going to get some bumps and some scrapes along the way. 
Jason, I got, I got tore up, you know? So it, you, you I, through, I probably could have done everything wrong that you could have done as, as a, as a yeah. BD starting off. Um, but I had a, a great manager. Um, I had a great senior manager as well. Um, and I had a really great supporting team. Um, Talia really had their shit together when it came to materials and, and, and prep and planning. Um, but one of the things I think that I did differently is I just put my head down to be completely honest. It was one of these things where I'm like, I can either complain about it being a tough position and getting rejection and, and, and dealing with the stress of it, or I can go, all right, tough it up. Let's get the job done. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what I did. I just, I just quit looking at it as, as something that's a difficult job. And I looked at it as a challenge to say, Hey, I want, I want X, right? I want to move up into leadership more than I want to give up or more than I want to take a break or call it a day. Right. Um, and it was, it was just, it was a grind every single day. And, um, going into leadership, I didn't know that's what I wanted at first. Um, you know, I had, I was a director of sales and I had a small team, um, at my, at my previous role, but going into this, I found myself starting to be more vocal in team meetings. I started giving kudos and I started offering up pieces of advice. And I started saying, Hey guys, I'm finding a lot of success with this. Give it a shot, give it a try. Right. Um, and then one of my managers had told me, she's like, you're kind of already, you know, doing what a leader will do, right? You're already doing these sort of things about giving kudos and helping your teammates and being vocal. Um, because it's tough when, when you're with a group of people and you have an idea, you, you have an opinion on something and you maybe are a little bit afraid to, to vocalize it. That idea might be a gold mine, but you don't end up sharing it because you're nervous. And I just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to try it, you know? And, and that's, again, some ideas were crap. Some ideas were really good, but, um, thankfully I, I think I had a couple more good ideas than bad ones. And they're like, Hey, you know what? He's already doing it. So, so yeah. Let's talk about that real quick, preparing to become a leader. So for someone that's listening to this, that is thinking about becoming a sales manager, maybe next. Yeah. It, honestly, the same thing applies for SDRs that want to become account executives. This do the job before you have the title concept. Yep. You want to talk a little bit more about that? You kind of shared a couple of things that you did, but what advice would you have for someone that's looking to do what you've done? What could they do now to prepare themselves and to show their leadership that they're ready? Yeah, there. I would definitely say a few things. So it's like the, the phrase, you know, dress for the job you want, not the job you have, right? Start doing the work. Um, start helping out your teammates. Start providing templates that are working well for you. Um Start giving kudos if you guys, I mean, we utilize Slack. I was very vocal on Slack. Um, you know, hey, great job, Jason, on that email. I saw you got great open rates or anything along those lines. Um, you know, so outside of being more vocal, be curious, ask questions. That was, like I said beforehand, people are sometimes afraid to ask a question and, it, and they go, well, I, this might sound like a stupid question. It's like, no, the only stupid questions are the ones you don't ask, yeah. right? Um, if you don't know how to do something, and you go ahead and do it anyways, and it ends up being wrong, I promise you're going to feel a lot worse than you did if you just would have asked, hey, can you help me with this? Can you share some of your insights? Um, and I was just super curious. You know, I'd say, well, hey, why did, you know, as a leader, Jason, why did you do it this way, right? Why did you make this decision? You know, so, hey, I saw that they, this person gave you this kind of feedback. Why did we go in this direction? Just be super curious, right? Um, that's one of the biggest things I can say is ask 
ask questions for your, of your leadership and ask them for more responsibility. Let them know, Jason, my goal is to be a leader, right? What can I start doing now that's going to put me on the right track to get to that position? Give me some goals that I can look to hit. What are you looking for in someone who's, who's a leader? And how can I get myself there? Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's, you know, being very open and vocal about your goal, state your goal. Here's what I want to do. Make that known. hundred percent. And then everything else you shared is it, is it really sounds like be really conscious about your personal brand. 100. When you're in that Slack channel all the time, people start to see your name, they recognize it. And that's really big, especially, you know, if someone's listening and you're working in a really big organization with hundreds or thousands of, of reps, those little things, Yep. Does your VP know your name or not? hundred percent. You know, little things like that are really, really big. So yeah, help your teammates share what's working. I think that there's this, it's, it's interesting because sales is, it's a team sport, but not really at the same time. It's like, we have to hit a number together, but really I'm compensated as an individual. The team sport part of it though is, Hey, just because you share what's working for you doesn't mean that that's going to take away from your success. 100%. And there's so many reps that it's like, they don't want to share what they're doing. That's working. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a hard, like, did you ever deal with that at all? Or did this come pretty naturally to you? No. I mean, when I first started, I I didn't, I didn't realize how, man, if I lost my competitive edge, you know, at some point in time, but when I caught back into the BDR role, I was super competitive, right? Yeah. Um, and I quickly realized that, hey, I can't do this on my own when I'm first starting. So I need help from other people. So who am I to ask for help, but not be willing to give it, right? Yeah, don't be that asshole, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Jason, I'm brand new to this, right? Like, help, can you help me figure this out? You know, but yeah. oh, wait, now I have some that's working for me, but I'm not going to share it with you, right? I don't know anybody who's gotten to where they are without help from a, from from anybody, right? From yeah. anybody, whether it's someone helping you out with the smallest thing or the biggest thing. Someone has helped you somewhere, right? There's no reason you can't give back even just a little bit, right? If you want to hold it too close to your chest a little bit, you know, take some things out, whatever. But I, the way I look at it is if our team wins, that's job security, that's hopefully more resources allocated to our team. Uh, that's more maybe fun things that we can do, right? Because it's like, hey, this team is doing really well. Let's keep them happy, right? Let's make sure that they're taken care of. And it's like an individual does not win. A team wins, right? Because if one individual out of my team is performing well, but no one else is, probably not going to have a team very very long. So that's yeah. the way it Okay, let's so let's keep this going. I think this is a good segue into I always ask people this before we hop on a podcast. The same question I asked you before we hit record around, hey, what do you what do you feel like you're you do really well? What's your superpower? You know, as a sales leader. And you had shared this kind of umbrella of stuff that was related to teamwork and motivation and like culture building and that sort of stuff. Before we get into that, I am curious. Where did that come from? <laughs> did it come from sports with you? Did you have a mentor teach you some of this stuff? Did you observe good and bad yeah. situations? Where did you kind of learn about this? 
So being five foot six, I was too big for basketball. I was too big for football, you know, so they were just afraid that five foot six Eric was going to hurt someone. So I didn't really get into sports that much. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, no, it's honestly just trial and error, you know, (laughs) kind of going throughout it, having different leaders. Um, I worked for AT&T for a while and one of the, I don't remember, it it was a guy named Larry. Um, and he had mentioned, he goes, I had messed up on something. He brought me back and he goes, so look, you know, you know, you messed up on this. How can I help you going forward? Right. How can I help you make sure that this doesn't happen again? Right. And then he also um, mentioned before, you know, back in the day, I, I brought a problem to him with no solution. And he looks at me, he goes, okay. And I go, so what do I do? He goes, why are you bringing me a problem without bringing me a solution as well? Right. So it just, there's there's little tidbits that come into my mind when I look back at my previous leaders, but my, my current manager, I've learned a ton from him. Right. Um, and it's, he's probably the person that I'm most curious with and he probably gets tired of me asking him questions. I don't, I don't doubt it. Um, but he's been probably the best mentor I've ever had in the sense of, you know, not just explaining, here's how you do something, but here's the why, right? But then also stressing the importance of when I'm explaining something to my team, they need to understand the why, right? You can't just give direction for the sake of giving direction. They have to understand what the goal is, you know, where, where is the end point of where we're trying to get to and why are we trying to get there? Um, but no, it, it definitely wasn't something that I was just naturally born with, right? It's just, having a lot of great leaders. And unfortunately you have some bad ones in there too. So it's just, just like dating, right? You figure out what you like and you don't like, um, out of a relationship. And it's the same thing when you have leaders, you figure out what kind of leader you want to be from the great ones and the leader you don't want to be from the bad ones. Yeah. So let's talk about culture and the why and the problem solving culture that you're building. Let's take it back to the, we kind of approached this from a couple different angles, where I want to go with this is like, how does this get operationalized? Like, how do we implement that? Mm-hmm. So can you walk us through maybe starting with when a rep is onboarded, how mm-hmm. do you incorporate, like what element of this is incorporated from the moment that a new rep is onboarded? Sure. So from, it, it usually starts in the interview process. Oh, um, wow. Okay. So if I, and I, I've, I feel like I've done so many of them now, you can, you can tell in the first you know, your first minute, whether or not someone's going to probably go the distance or not. So I start kind of prepping our culture, right? You know, how I like to be as a leader. Um, But it's all about serving your reps, right? In the sense of making sure they understand, just so you're aware, Jason, you do not have to worry about asking a stupid question for a very long time, right? More than likely, they're probably it's probably one of their first, you know, jobs as a BDR, right? Um, they're just getting started into tech, possibly. So I stress to them multiple times: if you have questions, you need to ask me, right? When I explain something, I'll say, "Here's how we do something. Here's why we do it. Does that make sense? What questions do you have for me?" Um, one thing I got from my manager was not just asking, "Do you have any questions?" Because they can just go, no. But by saying, what questions do you have for me? It almost makes them think, okay, well, I have to answer with something, right? Yeah. 
So I want them to be curious. I want them to say, hey, I don't understand this. And I tell them what I told you earlier. I go, Jason, I promise you, if you don't ask questions and you mess up, we'll get through it, but you're going to feel a lot worse than the uncomfortable side you have right now of not asking the question. So just, just ask the questions, be curious, let's talk through it. And then I end, even to this day with my reps who are more senior, I end every single meeting with, what, or what do you need from me? What can I do for you? So, yeah. and they'll typically, you know, have, well, hey, I, I need help with this, or I forgot to mention this or anything along those lines, but making yourself available to answer those questions and letting them know that there are no stupid questions. And I say, now, if you ask me a year from now, and it's a question that you probably needed to learn in the beginning, we might have a little bit of a different conversation, but hey, you're yeah. learning right now. This is the time for you to stumble. It's the time for you to mess up. Yeah. So it sounds like a big part of the environment that you create is you create emotional safety is what they call this in psychology, right? Where it's, we have an environment where people feel comfortable bringing up their concerns and things that they're confused about, unclear about, uh, fearful of, et cetera. And that's such a good pro tip you left too. It's a good pro tip for anyone that, that leads group calls too, is don't ask you know, do we have any questions? Hardly anyone's going to ask a question. Hey, what questions do you have? Exactly. You're implying that they should have questions. That's, I didn't want to gloss over. That's a really good pro tip. So let's talk about like the onboarding process. Is there like a set of team values that you have? Like, what are the things that you talk about in terms of like what's important to the team and, and how you operate together? Sure. So the first week I tried to get them in the morning time, you know, maybe Monday is with Christina, Tuesday is with Alex, Thursday is with Bryce. So I will have that person spend at least 30 minutes in the morning time with one member of the team, right? Until they meet everybody on the team. I tell them, Hey, the first, the first call, just get to know each other, right? Don't talk about work. Just get to know each other talk about life, your dog, your kids, whatever it might be, right? But, you know, obviously they have to understand the who we are, what we do, and how we do it aspect. Um, but there's also the team culture part of it, right? So we'll talk a little bit about, you know, how you should be acting with your teammates. We talk about, hey, one thing we don't tolerate is snaking things from other people, you know, obviously acting ethical, um, not fudging numbers, you know, all, all the typical things. Um, but I really, really stress, I say one thing that makes our team super successful is how well we work together, right? We meet as a team every Monday morning and then, you know, after the afternoon for my European people um, and every Thursday morning, right? So we have two calls each week where we're together as a team. And on Mondays, we start off with a little bit of positivity. We'll ask, you know, some sort of positive question or we'll give kudos, things like that. Um, and we honestly, we try to end that Monday. So group meetings, it sounds like you're having meetings Mondays, Thursdays, there's a particular, um, meeting cadence, I guess that you have with new hires too, where you are intentional about putting them into daily meetings with the reps. And let's talk about those group meetings. So on these Monday, Thursday group meetings, what are they for? What do you talk about? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So one is to get everybody together. My my team is c 
completely remote. There's no one that is going into an office. Um, so it, it definitely weighs on people sometimes not being around others. So one, it gets everybody a chance to get together, see some friendly faces, talk. Um, but on our Monday mornings, uh, what we try to do is we start off with, you know, some sort of positive question, right? You know, um, you know, what's one positive goal you're looking to achieving, you know, um, you know, this week or, you know, hey, let's go around the room and, and, you know, kind of popcorn back and forth and give kudos to each other. Right. So I would give you a compliment, Jason, then you'd give the next person a compliment and yeah. we would just go around. Right. Just starting off with something positive. Um, but we're usually talking about what we have coming up that week. If there's events going on, cadences that we need to build out, follow ups we need to do. Um, Thursday is a little bit of the same thing, recapping the week, maybe things that popped up between Monday and Thursday. Um, and then just kind of getting ready for the weekend, what we can expect for the following week. Um, but yeah, that's that that's every single week we meet Mondays and we meet Thursdays. Whenever I have someone who's on board, and like I mentioned, I'll have them meet with um, you know one of their team members every single day. But every single day as well, I start off the first thirty minutes with them, and I end the last thirty minutes with them. And that's obviously if there's additional meetings in between that I need to be on with them or different trainings, but I want to start off their day with them and I want to end their day with them. That way, again, yeah. I can answer questions. They can see that, Hey, he's not just, I'm your manager and only come to me when you need me. I want to be a part of their onboarding. I want to make sure that they're on track and they're going in the direction that we both want to go, right? Not just me where I want them to go. I want them going down. Well, Hey, I think I need to go back and watch this training again, or, Hey, I watched this. Can you help me understand a little bit better what this means? I don't want them going to the next section without understanding what they just went over. Got it. And these meetings are how long? Typically, typically 30 minutes. Cool. So you keep it nice. I, uh, I, I don't want to gloss over another thing that you do. I think that's super important. We do it in just at our tiny company at outbound squad mm -hmm. is the shout outs. Like what we have everyone prepare beforehand is they just bring something in. We have our company values. They say, hey, uh, I want to give a shout out to Eric. He's living the own it value. Like one thing that happened last week was this thing popped up and he took complete ownership over it, solved the problem, all of that yeah. kind of good stuff. Like the popcorn thing is like you you definitely get the warm and fuzzies going in the room in yeah. the day when people are complimenting each other and it feels like like that team dynamic. That's such a simple thing that people could start implementing. Um, what about one-on-ones? How do you structure one-on-one -on -one meetings? How many do you, will you do typically per wrap? What do you cover? That kind of thing. Yeah. So one-on-ones when they're starting off, like I said, if you're, you're onboarding, we're meeting every single day, probably for the first few weeks, right? Then we move to a weekly one-on-one. -on -one. Some of my more senior reps, um, I'm, I'm not stupid. I know sometimes they're like, hey, these meetings are pointless or they don't think, you know, I mean, that's just how it goes sometimes, right? So we might move to a biweekly meeting where I say, hey, I am always going to be a resource for you. If I have something that I need to go over with you, right, um, I'll reach out to you. If you need something from me, reach out to me. But that is earned, right? That's not just a, hey, you've been here for a year. Now we're going to go to one on, you know, biweekly meetings, um, there's a certain level of trust and obviously trust goes both ways. So if I trust them to say, Hey, you're getting your stuff done, you're hitting your numbers. Um, you know, uh, I, I want, I don't want to be putting oven mitts on, on Bob Ross, right? I want to, I want to, I want to give them the freedom to do what, what they need to do and, and have their, their creativity. Right. So 
that is earned, right? Going to a, a, bi, a biweekly um, meeting from there. But during the one-on-ones, um, I actually created a prospect tracker when, when I was a, a BDR and basically just kind of went over my pipeline outside of the CRM. I kind of added my own notes. I kind of made it flow a little bit. Um, and it really, really helped me stay organized. So I have everyone on my team keep their own prospect tracker. So what we'll do is we will go over that prospect tracker and I'll remind them, hey, don't forget, check with your AE on this or, hey, um, you know, just be aware this has been sitting in this stage for a while. Make sure that you're staying on top of it. Do your follow ups, things like that. But I think an important part of it, too, and this is what helps build that, you know, leadership and and BDR um, relationship is not every single call is all about work. I might have a call with someone who might be doing really well. We'll just talk about life. But I want to know how they're doing outside of work because people who say like, hey, you should be able to shut it off as soon as you get into work. I don't I don't agree with that. You know, everyday life is going to affect sometimes how you feel at work. Yeah. I want to make sure that if I can help them with anything at home or outside of work, maybe just being a lamppost for them to lean on and just vent sometimes. That helps me. I know that helps me out a ton, right? So I want to make sure that even outside of work, my employees know, hey, I have someone I can go at least talk to and and maybe lean on a little bit. And it doesn't always have to be above the shoulders and numbers and things like that. Yeah, just really creating a personal relationship, you know, with the person. I I love that, man. Um, Let's talk about the prospect tracker. So what is what is what goes on the prospect tracker and maybe more detail and like what what are you tracking? How do you use it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So basically I have a couple different stages, you know, there's, uh, there's potentials, there's meetings, um, you know, meetings that are set. And essentially what I want them to do is basically be tracking what date the conversation started, right? How they're getting, uh, their meetings, right? So if they are booking way more meetings via email than phone, they'll be able to see that, right? Yeah, we use, you know, we use Salesforce. I don't know whether CRMs or other reps are using, but that data can be all over the place. sometimes, And it's difficult to kind of go back and look at your numbers and go, where am I finding success? Right. This sheet right here is an easy way for someone to go, okay, looking back in October, man, out of the, you know, six appointments I set four were via email, something's working well here. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Hey, I don't have a whole lot via phone. Am I scared of the phone or am I just not doing well on the phone? Maybe there's an area of opportunity that I can improve on from there. Um, but a big, you real yeah, quick, do you guys use the sales engagement tool as well on top of Salesforce? Sales like outreach, sales loft. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt your flow. Just one thing that I think would be good to clarify is, is the reason why you're using the spreadsheet just because it's easier to get like to see at a glance. Cause these platforms, like I, these companies are so big. The reporting is so bad. It's like to be able to pull a snapshot of like, what's in, is that, is that the purpose? It's just easier at a glance and creates kind of extra accountability almost around yeah. it. So I, I created it out of my OCD tendencies to want to see everything in, in, in one place. Also yeah. that too, you know, the reps can share it with their account executives to say, Hey, here's, what we got coming down the pipe. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's some notes, things like that. Yeah. Me, it's just easy. It's in one spot. Obviously, there's necessities for Salesforce and Sales Loft and HubSpot and all these other ones, right? But I love the simplicity of it. It's just yeah. one sheet. You can share it. 
you can pull it up very quickly. The chances of data getting lost are probably less because you don't have as many, you know, fingers in the cookie jar. So, um, yeah. less chance of things going away. Gotcha. And before I interrupted you, you were about to make another point. It sounded like, uh, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't no. know. I should have done it. Sharing it with the AE. I think that's where I was heading. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really, really simple tool. And it's just, it's just like an Excel sheet, right. Or a Google sheet um, that, that, that talks about, you know, Hey, here's what I have in my pipeline that you can go over with your account executives. Let's talk about. Okay. Let's talk about coaching and training specifically. Mm-hmm. how do your reps, how do you sharpen their skills? And maybe we go even a step further back around what I love that you mentioned about this tracker is, Hey, where are we landing meetings? Where are we not landing meetings? Like you're getting very granular. It's not just how many calls and emails did you send and make? Yeah. Uh, how many meetings you said? No, let's like, look at all the stuff that happens in between because those leading indicators up to that meeting or qualifying opportunity that are created. There's a lot of really good, insightful things. Yeah. How do you diagnose or help a rep diagnose? Hey, what from a skill standpoint do I need to work on? And then how do you, how do you approach skill improvement and coaching? Sure. So, I mean, our main, our main takeaways from data, right. Is what are we doing right? And what can we improve on? I don't like saying the words, what are we doing wrong? Because I think there's, there's still ways that you can find a silver lining and something that you maybe not as you're not doing a hundred percent. But during our one-on-ones, we'll look at those metrics, right? You know um, when we utilize sales lock, you know, we can, we can see, you know, email open rates, we can see connected calls, positive calls, things like that. Um, so one of the things that we look at maybe specifically, like a specific example would be, you know, emailing, right? So if we look at uh, an email cadence that was sent out and we notice that, you know, hey, our open rate is, you know, uh, not where we want it to be, right? So we know, okay, well, hey, we need to look at either the subject line or the preview line. doesn't matter what the body is saying if they're not even opening it, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the email has to get there for email deliverability, but, um, you know, we'll look at, we'll look at that and... I'll ask them if they come to me and say, you know, hey, I'm trying to improve this. Or I'm not here. I always come back to them and say, okay, well, where do you think you can improve at? Where do you think that maybe you're struggling a little bit? Because nine times out of ten, they're right. They don't yeah. they don't necessarily know it, but they they have an inkling, and they're like, well, I, I think I'm not doing this right. And I'll go, okay, well, why do you think that? So what I try to do with coaching is. I have them be a part of the solution. I will never just go, oh, Jason, this is how you do it, right? Or this is how you improve. You will, you will retain the information much better if you are a part of the solution. And, and I, I say, look, this is, this is kind of how I want to coach. And I'll, I'll tell them, say, hey, look, I'm not just going to give you the answer. I, I want to go through it with you. That way you retain it better. So don't, don't think that I'm, I'm being a jerk or an ass here just saying, well, I don't know. What do you think? You know, no one likes that person, but I say there's a goal behind it, right? We're trying to, we're trying to reach the same destination, but I want you to lead. I'll help, I'll help keep you on the right track, but I want you to lead this in regards to getting better or fixing something. Let's spend some time on that because that 
in my experience, I learned that as a first time sales manager was if you have a team of people that are constantly pinging you be, on, with questions because you've trained them that you're just going to be there all the time, that is an awful, awful way to exist. You'll have no work-life balance either when that happens. And more importantly, you aren't cre creating future leaders either. You aren't creating a group of people and helping the individual you know, self-diagnose diagnose and lead themselves. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Is that something... How intentional is that? And do you talk about the fact that you're going to be doing that? And yeah, is it hard for you? Some do you ever find to push back? Because this requires so much patience, dude. No, no, no. no. I, I I love this stuff. I love the idea of career growth and progression. Right? Like I told you beforehand, when I was a BDR, that was my end goal. I wanted to I wanted to move up into leadership. Um, so when I look at where I am now. I think back on the phrase, you know, when you're trying to become a leader, you know, you focus on progressing yourself. But when you become a leader, that shift, that focus shifts to progressing others, right? Yeah. So whenever I'm talking with the rep and we're, you know, we're trying to solve a problem, what I've started saying is, hey, if you have a problem, before you come to me, I want you to think about the solution, at least come up with one idea of what you think you should do. And I say, I also don't want you asking permission anymore. And forever is listening, like, you know, don't, don't freak out. I say, don't, don't ask permission anymore. My intent behind is I want them changing their verbiage, right? So instead of saying, hey, Jason, can I do this, right? This is, this is this and this. Can I do this? I want them saying, hey, Jason, here's the problem I'm having, right? Here's how I think I should solve it. Here's what I want to do. What are your thoughts, Right. One of the most impressive skills that I've seen in Talia and other people is decisiveness, right? The ability yeah. to make a decision and go with it. I want them having that talk, that self-talk going forward to where they're getting themselves in the habit of not necessarily not asking for permission, but being decisive. This is what I want. This is what I want to do. This is what I think I should do. And that goes back to when my manager at AT&T had said, hey, Eric, don't ever bring me a problem without bringing me a solution as well. I want them to start thinking about solving the problem when they have it versus going, I need help, you know, and just yeah. raising their hand. Think about it for a second. I'll help guide you, right? We'll get, we'll, we'll get to where we need to go, but you're going to be a part of the solution. Yeah, I love that, dude. So don't ask for permission, the decisiveness. I mean, essentially what you're helping them develop is confidence. 100%. Absolutely. Because again, I know that typically BDRs get in this role because they want to move up into something else. And I say, if you look at any great leader, they're decisive, right? Yeah. They're not wishy-washy and, well, I'm not really sure. You know, they're like, hey, here, even if it's wrong, their delivery, you're like, well, man, they've got to be right. That's got to be what you, what you should be doing because the way yeah. that they're delivering it. So I want them getting in the habit of speaking like a leader, even if they don't want to move into a leadership role, but going into a different position, whether they're interviewing or talking to somebody else, I want them being decisive. I want them being confident going into those conversations. Yeah. I mean, as you know, confidence is such a big thing in sales. Yeah. Especially prospecting. It is the um, thing. Let's talk about motivation, not for your team. Let's talk about you first, because hey. I think... One of the hardest, oh man, the, 
being a BDR SDR manager is, I think it's one of the, being a frontline manager is one of the hardest jobs in sales, if not the hardest. But for BDRs especially, it's, the job's a grind. It is a grind. It is a tough job, dude. I think the people like you that need to motivate (laughs) the team, like how do you stay motivated yourself with you're in an environment where you're managing people that are in a high stress situation and then you don't get to keep them for that long either. Yeah. The goal is that they only stick around for a year or two. Yep. How do you navigate that? So thankfully the team that I have makes my job very easy and and that's, that's easy to a certain degree, obviously, but I think the relationship that we have, I've developed a lot of trust with them. So mm-hmm. I, and I was kind of t- going back to recruiting. I tell them to say, look, my, my job is to get you to the point of you're ready to go and then let you off the leash. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I look at motivation for myself, it's the same question I pose to my team, right? What do I want more than I want to give up or call it a day or, um, you know, or just say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't need to have this last one-on-one with Jason. Right. Yeah. Um, so what motivates me is truly helping others just because I had so much help getting to where I am. And I look back and think like, man, like that person really, really made an impact on me and is helping me today. I haven't worked at at and in years, but that line stays in my head. So it motivates me to say, I would love to be that person for someone else that is that hand in the dark that grabs their hand and helps pull them up, right? Um, so it, it's it's the idea of being able to help get others where they want to be really gets me excited. I'm really passionate about career progression and talking to reps and saying, hey, what, you know, um, where do you want to be after this role, right? And what I did is at our last kickoff, I had asked the team that we had, I said, I gave them the question, you know, what do you want more than maybe you want to, you know, call it a day or not make another phone call? And I said, I don't care if it's financial freedom, if it's a new car, if it's a boat, whatever it is. I go, I hope it's ethical, right? I hope it's something positive yeah. you want to do with, you know, with, with your money or with your success. And I made little small um, laminated cards and I gave it to them. It was, it was the question was written out and it said, I want financial freedom more than I want to, I don't remember if it was give up or something along those lines. Um, and I gave it to them. I said, you need to put this on your computer, have it be a visual reminder for you every single day. Because at the end of the day, or even in the morning time, you're like, oh, how do I get my day started? Yeah. I want the car, right? Or I want financial freedom. I want to go to Europe. I don't care what it is. You have to have some sort of internal motivator. And for me, when I get to see reps get promoted and move up, that's that's what really gets me going. Yeah. Dude, I love it. I think this is a good place to end here. Can you let us know where can people go to connect with you or learn more about Talia and are you yeah. guys hiring right now? Let people know about that, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so we're we're not hiring right now. Um, we have a really great, strong team that's doing really well. Um, you can find Talia at www.talia.com, and that's T A U L I A. Um, you know how many people just kind of mess up pronouncing the name in itself. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's Talia. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Eric Delon, D E L A U N E. 
Uh, I'm the uh, bald bearded guy. So that's typically what uh, people find. And I'm, Jason, I don't know if people find this as well too, but if you just like are bald, you apparently resemble every other bald guy that, that they know. Hey, do you know this person? Or you look like this person, right? And I'm like, I, I don't know who that is, but well, sure. It's, you're track. a bald white guy, so there's a lot of bald white guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> I I have less of a challenge. There's not a lot of Asian people in sales. Yeah, so, I was, I'm hoping for like, man, you look like Jason Statham or someone. I'm like, I don't, I don't typically get that. They're like, you know, you know Brian, and I'm like, no, I don't know Brian. But yeah, yeah. that's funny, man. Yeah.